throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Things Worth Considering. Uh, I'm Gord Riddell, and I'm here with Dr. Jan Hill, my co-host. And uh, we have uh, some things that we think are worth considering. Um, So, Jan, how are you? I'm great, Gord. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Fantastic. Uh, Yeah, I just went to an amazing conference that was really fun. Excellent. Uh, If you want to call grieving fun, uh, (laughs) but it was very, very educational. The lighter Uh, side of grieving. Yes, I love uh, Salt Lake City. That was an amazing place. It's beautiful. Um, So tell me, Jan, have you ever been stuck? (gasps) Oh, yeah. I've been stuck. I don't mean mean your truck. I don't mean your truck on ice. Oh, yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah, I have been stuck in my truck. Uh, you know, that feeling that you have to push forward or something different has to happen and, you know, you either have to go somewhere, get another job, go back to school, change husbands, you know, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) not that you've done that, but it feels like impossible to make that change. Uh, you know, every day, thousands of people just experience this feeling of just being stuck. And the one thing about it is it really is a painful place to be. Yeah. Can you think of it? time you were stuck oh gosh what time is it yeah exactly uh, <laughs> uh you know we can get stuck over all kinds of things you know the thing i get stuck over is, is when i have too many choices yes you know a restaurant with a menu that has so many things on it and i'm like just bring me something yes you know? that's yes. actually the paradox of choice that's recognized by barry schwartz in in a bunch of his research yes right? the yeah. more choices we have the harder it is to make a choice so we get stuck it is it is because you know i don't think that you know when certainly when my parents were around and we would talk or my grandparents and and they would go you know you were so lucky today you have so many choices as we my meeting my brothers and i sat there watching tv going Really? Yeah. <laughs> because that daringness to reach out and take take that leap forward into something is really difficult. Yeah. And I think what happens is it's easy to get stuck on too many choices because you get caught up in having to make the right choice. The right, right? choice. So we, we make it like the apocalypse if somehow we don't make the exact most perfect right choice. But how can we make the exact perfect most right choice if we don't know exactly what outcome we're going for? Or, for example, you're looking at your menu and you want to make the exact perfect right choice, but how can you make the exact perfect right choice about something if you don't even know what they taste like? Well, exactly. Right? Exactly. Especially if it's a restaurant you've never yeah. been in before. I want to pick the thing that tastes the best. Well, duh. <laughs> That's what you're there for. Figure that piece out. Well, it is. You know, it's like, you know, if if we get, you know, when we get stuck sometimes, I mean, choice is one thing. But the other thing, too, is taking our eyes off the road. Yeah. It's just like driving. It's like walking. You know, yep. if you stop watching where you're going to go, all of a sudden, we're just going to fall into this place of, oh, my God. I don't have any power here. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know where I'm going here. And, you know, most most humans, when they find themselves in that situation, really pull back. Right. And it's like it's safer right. to sit and hope that someone's going to come along and tell us where we are or what ditch we're in. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it might be a tow truck. It might be the, <laughs> the little old lady from around the corner who's going to come over and tell us what to do, you know. And I think there's a lot of societal pressure on us to make the right choices and keep moving forward at right that's part of the neoliberal agenda it's like you have no time to really sit and ruminate and think about stuff and consider options or even to just be in the moment when you're not trying to make a decision that's supposed to you know make your life so much better yeah you know i i think that you know that it goes counter to just the whole idea of mindfulness mm-hmm. You know, of, of taking that time to know what we feel and what's going on inside for us. Um, you know, this bang, bang, make a decision, move on, move on. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be fine in, in some corporate uh, world. It might be fine in the stock market where you're, you know, trying to play a, a day trader or guess uh, when to sell, when to buy. I don't think that's true in our own life. I think that mm-hmm. we do ourselves a really a real disservice. But equally as well. So that people hear me properly, we do ourselves a disservice by not making decisions as well. True. 
Yeah. But I think just sort of a uniformly stuck can really have a bad rap because sometimes stuck is um, like you want to be stuck because stuck is the place where you get to consider more options. You get to move through things and you actually get to slow down a little bit, pull away from the distractions, take the pressure off yourself, right? Like the whole idea of being stuck as a negative thing is a bit problematic. Like we think of it as just being a problem when it maybe it's actually a really valuable part of the change process. Well, I think I think the other part of that is is that um, our society does not allow us to be confused. <laughs> right. You know, it's like it's really looked down upon when it's like, you know, uh, I, I really see this in, in working with people in therapy of they're really feeling, you know, that they don't know, they're mm-hmm. feeling confused as mm-hmm. to what's going on for them. Um, and there's so much beating themselves up. Because people are like, well, you can't be confused. You you need to know. Yep. We all have to embrace our inner Gemini. Right? <laughs> really, really. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Uh, yeah, that, uh, we are in Gemini, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have quite a few people in my life who are Geminis, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. How's that working for you? Oh, it's great. I don't know who I'm going to find <laughs> going to show up at dinner. Yeah, I hope it. <laughs> it's always fun. Uh, my grandmother was, actually. She was also a Gemini, uh-huh. surprisingly. Um, but she brought it together, I think. So, you know, one of the things about, you know, having that, just having that awareness, all right, is the only way we're ever going to start to sort of get a handle on this is we have to stop blaming. Blaming, yes, ourselves, blaming others? Blaming others. Ah. Blaming others. I think, I think, you know, most people are more likely, you know, here's an example, okay, because it drives me crazy, mm-hmm. is people who text walking down the street. Mm-hmm. They're walking down the street. They're looking down. Now, this is, it sounds terrible. The only pleasure I get is when I watch them walk into a pole. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. It's a big ouch. Yeah. And they'll turn around and they'll like swear at the pole like it did it on purpose, mm-hmm. you know, or swear at the city because the city put it there. Yep. Now, since the pole didn't do it and you and, and the city is certainly not going to move the pole so you can text, uh, at some point <laughs> you have to come to the decision that that's dangerous to your health. Yep. You know, texting and walking down the street. The same as making the reason they made it illegal driving. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that you're responsible for the choice that you made to do that. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. You know, yeah. but until this person stops blaming that lamppost and realizes that, oh, it's me, you mm-hmm. know, that's going that needs to to change. They're going to remain angry. They're going to be frustrated. They're going to be eventually they'll just be exhausted. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So when I hear you talk about that, I I think about the difference between, you know, what we call an internal and an external locus of control. Meaning, where do you see control in your life? Is it something that's inside of you that you have agency over, and you say, "Hey, I can make a decision. I'm going to be accountable for this, and I can make a good decision even without all the facts and data and all the you know everything coming in at me there, right? That you still feel that you. Can, that you're qualified to make a decision about your own life versus always being in response and reaction to people around you so that you externalize where the control over your life actually is, right? And when you have an internal locus of control, you might still be stuck, but you also know most of the time that you're just looking for more data, more ideas, more information, or you're trying to figure out how to resolve the overwhelm so that you yourself can make a choice to move forward. And when you externalize, right, it's a bit harder because you're waiting for somebody else to give you the magic that you need to be able to move forward. You're waiting for your boss to quit or you're waiting for, you know, to whatever, Exactly. Right. This would be like, you know, the my example of the person who's texting walking down the street would be submitting a proposal to the city that, you know, they'd be wrapped in styrofoam. Yes. <laughs> Boing. Boing. Yeah, you know, they could keep on texting. They, they wouldn't have any, any scars. That I'd like left. to be wrapped in jello. <laughs> or but wrapped in jello. Yeah. Each person gets a jello pack before you leave. Exactly. That way, if I got hungry, I could have a snack <laughs> at the same time. Okay. Well, I don't, ooh. I think that would go rancid after a while. Yeah. Depends how long you're out on the street texting, I guess. I guess. Or yeah. in the hot sun. <laughs> uh, so repetitiveness in our behaviors, we've got to come to terms with that. And and accept just, you know, I mean, your point is really important as to what can we control and what can we control. Mm. And most people try to control the very things they can't control and don't control what they can control. That is so true. So how does that boil down? The only thing that you can control is yourself. 
So true. I can we give you a can, great example of that. We cannot control other people. Yeah. So I've, you know, students, you'll, you'll learn from your students too, right? People try and figure out what the professor wants on the exam, right? <laughs> Rather than actually just go studying, yes. right? If you yeah. took your mind off what you think somebody else is going to do and actually just learn the material, then you'd probably do pretty well on the exam. That's right. Right? That's right. But you know what? That even happens in therapy. True. That Yes. It does. Because the yes. person will try and figure out what they think the therapist wants them to say. That's right. To show that they're making progress or they're, you know, and, and of course, it is one of the most counterproductive things we could ever do in therapy. It lacks just the authenticity. It lacks genuineness, just that brutal honesty that we need to have in order to be able to tell our story. Right. You know? Exactly. So to sit there and, and, you know, a good therapist will be able to see that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that they're, they're sort of trying to fish out what it is that they're supposed to say. The same will happen in coaching. Mm-hmm. Anywhere where you have sort of an unequal relationship that is mentoring another person, you know, it's, it's the same as what does mom or dad want from us? Right, right. You know, like, where were you? Oh, God, what answer are they looking for? Nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and people don't appreciate, right, when you're in therapy or with a coach or whatever, even with your parents, sometimes that the resistance mm-hmm. that you show to something is very valuable information Extremely. in the therapeutic, yeah, in the therapeutic process, right? Yeah, yeah. Or in the coaching process, if you continually don't do your homework, well, that's pretty valuable information in terms is. of the coaching process. Yeah, like what's going on there? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that keeping those things in mind, that it's, uh, you know, it really is so crucial that we uh, have a sense all the time of what it is that we're controlling mm-hmm. and what it is we're trying to control. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting trying to control others. It really, you know, and so many people do that, control control the household, control their husband, control their wife, their children, the mm-hmm. whole thing. And then uh, often, though, the, the, the uh, deeper f- experience there is they feel out of control themselves, say, in their jobs. Yeah. So they feel so disempowered that when they come home, they try to be more powerful. Right. And, of course, with disastrous results right. in both both locations. Right. You know. I think, too, what happens, and this goes back to your example of texting while you're walking down the street, right, is that if you're trying to control things, you're often looking down. Like if you're texting, there you are, you're concerned about your auto complete, right? It, you wanted to say first responder or something that came out first, I don't know despondent or something, <laughs> right? Who yes. knows what, right? Fist despondent <laughs> or something, right? And it's like, so you're you're very focused on the micro. And it's when you take a step back and you look up and look around and go, oh, I'm on the street. It's a beautiful day. There's a lamppost I have to duck, right? <laughs> when you go up to the, to the macro, then you get a much bigger picture. And it yep. shows us that maybe, maybe, maybe what you're actually typing is not quite as important, whether the A or the I gets in the exact right place, isn't quite as important as we think it might be. Absolutely, because we've seen you know some of the studies where they turn the inside of a word all backwards, yeah, and they mix match it, and the ability to be able to read right through it, yeah, uh, is is quite quite amazing. You know, <laughs> that whole thing of predictive texting drives me crazy. Yeah, there was uh, <laughs> once. Uh, someone was texting. They're waiting, and they and I said, I still need to to uh, a shower, dress, etc. And it went out as I still need to shower and dress, Eric. <laughs> Who's Eric? Immediately it came back as, who's Eric? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Because I didn't check it. It just went out. Uh, So, you know, that's that's hilarious. (laughs) And it makes me think, right, that focusing on the micro leads to a particular kind of stuckness. Focusing on the macro, which can also create a kind of stuckness, right, when you're too caught in the big picture, can also create a different kind of stuckness. Oh, absolutely. That's what I'm going to suggest. I have no bearing of research on that, but – I Not think. everything's researched. <gasps> well, it should I know. be. Did you research your way here? I didn't. I have, there you go. I just let uh, my GPS tell me. I let <laughs> I let it rest. Uh, <laughs> uh, so our you know our fears and beliefs really play out uh, big time in being stuck uh, as well. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's so many conditions um, that. You know, and nothing happens, and we they, we still stay stuck. You know, it's like people set up all these conditions of things that have to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, when this comes in, then this will be okay. And mm-hmm. you know, and then it boils down to if the wind isn't coming in from the exact direction, mm-hmm. no, can't do it today. 
Mm-hmm. And and our ability to keep fooling ourselves, which mm-hmm. is nothing more than our ability to keep ourselves in a very, very stuck place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, you know, again, it comes back to I love the human mind. I love the human mind as to how it can play tricks on itself. And we believe that this money has to come from here and this person has to be present with this person and all of those kinds of things. And none of those things are going to happen. Right. Because it's the analytical mind that creates the preconditions for moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have more conditions as to who, what, when, and why can I can marry or not marry or do anything like that. It just gets silly. So I think, you know what, let's be silly and take a break. Silly is good. All right. All right. We're going to take a break here. uh, And we will be back in a couple of moments with things worth considering all about being stuck. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, this is Gord Riddell with Dr. Jan Hill here Woo! on Things Worth Considering. Woo-woo! Now, we're talking about getting stuck and probably more importantly, getting unstuck. But guess what? You choose. Um, you know, um, one of the things about being stuck is being stuck is what I call a directional experience. Mm-hmm. And that means that you have to be moving away from something and moving towards something. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just, just, you know, arbitrarily think of, you know, going over here without recognizing that our, our uh, hesitation about leaving anything, uh, our fear, our grief, our, all of those things come into play here that, you know, leaving me uh, or being unstuck and, and moving forward is to leave something. Right. And I, I think it scares I, a lot of people. Terrifies a lot of people. And sometimes I think it's like you're on a teeter-totter. So you can think about it this way. Is your fear of moving forward into the unknown greater than the pain of staying where you are? And if the answer is that the fear is greater to moving forward, then you'll stay stuck. You'll stay where you are. Exactly. Right? 
But I like this idea of uh, away from energy and towards energy because you'll notice that when we make changes in our life, sometimes you go, whoa, don't like it here. Got to move. Got to go. <laughs> and then you just kind of like run away, right? So That's you might right. just go anywhere. It doesn't matter. You just can't be here. And there, when you're kind of in the away from energy, there'll be a transition point where you go like, okay, I'm safe now. I'm away from the burning house, but where am I going to go? So that's when you have to sort of, you know, build up and focus on the towards energy. What do I want? That's right. Right? That's right. The away from energy is what makes me feel safe. You know, when when we talk about, you know, um, for instance, domestic abuse is to be able to remove, you know, uh, you know, most often a woman out of that environment. And she may not know where she's going to go. Right. But we know we have to get her out of there. Right. Right. And her children out of there. Yeah. uh, In order to to protect them. Mm -hmm. Um, So. You know, so it's often not a, a nice continuum. Mm-hmm. You know, they just go, oh, we leave here, we'll flow over to here. Suddenly it's like I'm standing on the street and I don't know where the hell I'm going to go because my apartment just burned down. Which can also feel really unsafe. So Incredibly in the case unsafe. of domestic violence and stuff, and intimate partner violence, people may prefer to stay with the partner who abuses them because – you know, believe it or not, right, depending on what perspective you have, it may feel safer and more predictable to be with the person who's the abuser than it is to be on one's own. The devil you know is safer than the devil you exactly, don't Exactly, right? And especially that, that is so true in yeah. domestic violence. Yeah, especially if you're one of those highly adaptable people. And there's a high degree of adaptability in uh, people who stay with um, with abusers, right? So mm-hmm. the fundamental belief might be like they have, they actually have a very strong, usually a very strong internal locus control. So the belief is, I just have to figure out what the code is. What's the behavioral code so that I can modify my behavior before it turns into whatever it is that it turns into. Uh, right? You know, I've actually had women come to me and say, I want you to teach me how not to piss my husband off. Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't make him angry and he won't hit me anymore. I hear you, dude. And I'm like, are you kidding me yeah i'm so uh you know just so outraged that someone has been abused to the point of believing that it's their fault in the first place yeah but the the piece of that right is they also believe that if they believe it's their fault they also believe that they can like the flip side is that they can actually do something to change it right because before you become completely disempowered and say well there's nothing i can do about it i just have to learn to accept it right So I always think that as long as they're still searching for a response, like some sort of action that they personally can take, Mm -hmm. that's still a good sign. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But instead of uh, them being sad about what's going on is I really keep them in their anger. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the empowerment lies. Is mm-hmm. is them? You know, I'm not a proponent of being angry, but I am in situations where, mm-hmm. you know, we've all been through it. Where you've broken up with someone, whether you were 16 or 60, and you know those tears are like, oh, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and to have to say, yeah, it was so bad. Here's yeah. a mirror. Look at your face. Yeah. You know. You know, and that's part of the process. You know, we become nostalgic about things because, of course, mm. we have a tendency sometimes just to remember the good stuff when we feel lonely. It wasn't so bad. Yeah, that's right. It right? wasn't so bad. You know, I, I, it really, it wasn't so bad. You know what that really means is at least I know how to do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, People who come out of out of homes uh, and, and or families that were really chaotic and there was lots of violence and 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 at least you know a lot of anger being expressed, they are really superb people to be frontline because they mm-hmm. can handle the craziness that goes on in an emergency. Right, they're perfect police officers, firemen. Right. Uh, nurses, uh, ER nurses, ER physicians, because they don't feel anything until it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the people who go, oh, my God, there's blood. There's blood on that person. They're bleeding. Um, We don't want them in the ER. Right. And I think they probably get very good at making snap decisions. Uh, Absolutely. Because a lot of what the snap decisions they had to make were survival. Yeah. It was absolute life and death sometimes. So, you know, that's really important. You know, when we talk about this, about safety, so the acronym, I came up with an an acronym for STUCK. Okay. I want to hear it. And that is SAFE TILL YOU CAN KNOW. 
Oh, that's good. Safe till you can know. Because one of the things that holds us back is, I don't know what's going to happen out there. And that scares so many people of not knowing. Right. Because there's a perceived perception that we have to know at all times. We're not allowed to be confused. Safe till you can know. So that exactly describes, right, the idea that the being, staying where you are, still yep. feels better than the fear of moving forward into whatever it is that's unknown. And unknown. The fear of the unknown. Yeah. yeah. So what about this one? Scared to upset current knowings. That's that's perfect. So it's like sticking the predictability, right? Stay in the predictable. It's the predictable and, and how you think other people are going to respond to you changing. Exactly. Change, because change that's, back. That's right. A lot of people do, uh, uh, really you know, uh, base their decision to change, their decision to move on, based totally upon what other people will say. Yep, yep. And that one's perfect for that. Yeah. And it, and Didn't we come up with another one, too? We did. Super tragic or terrifying, in brackets. Unexplored contingent knowledge. Perfect. I'm still not even sure what that means, but it sounds good. What <laughs> well, does it mean, Gordon? Con- contingent knowledge is the, the knowledge that we're waiting to, to, to have. It's similar to what the one I was, till yeah. you can know. It's contingent knowledge is all the knowledge that we want to have. But it's a terrifying place to be moving forward. We're going to assume we're moving forward and not have all of that data yet. Ah, right. So we're making decisions right. that are sort of a little bit, you know, fl- fly by the seat of your pants. Most people do not like living that way. Ha, ha, ha. And those that do are, are, are fabulous adventurers and inventors. So that actually fits in, too, with this idea that our, this an- our analytical mind is the mind that creates these ideas about how we move forward. Yes. And then we might look around and might go, well, I know how to move forward. Here are my criteria, blah, blah, blah. But we look around and go, oh, I haven't, go- I haven't met my resources. I don't have those resources in place yet or I don't have that piece and so and so all of this stuff becomes unknowable or unmanageable yeah, yeah that absolutely. we're moving towards absolutely so you know, about, we want to guarantee yeah for sure so what about this idea of passion like we have in our culture this idea that passion what we're passionate about is the towards energy yes right yes can passion actually unstuck us or unstick us uh, can it? I think it can both stick us and unstick uh, us, uh, stuck us and unstuck us. Um, <laughs> I think it could do. Uh, is that English? I'm not um, sure. I, I know. I hope yeah. people understood. It can make us feel stuck, and I think it can also make us unstuck. Ah, tell me about that. Well, I think that you know, it's really, it's really is contingent upon some other beliefs that we might hold. Right. Because this is laden with beliefs. This is laden with fears and expectations and guarantees and outcomes. Um, I think that if we have a place that we can stand back and actually look at what is it that I'm moving towards? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that um, I want to have happen? And what is what kind of an outcome mm. that is reasonable? You know, mm-hmm. like, in other words, our passion, passion's lovely. I mean, I'm very passionate about what I do. I know. Uh, it's great. But there's there's an understanding that it can also be a little bit bigger, say, than what the resources are. Mm-hmm. You know, my belief and my passion is, is that why would I have to sleep, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> yeah. eat? You know, yeah. I just want to be passionate doing everything I do. Uh, and, and until, you know, that will have a tragic effect mm-hmm. uh, uh, in terms of outcome. So. Being realistic, mm-hmm. you know, not having to be, you know, uh, the, the passion stick that, you know. So this. But it can stick us if we're unrealistic. Okay, yeah. So this suggests that, in fact, we can be doing and doing and doing and working towards a goal and a goal and a goal. And it can be driven towards passion. But that constant doing, doing, doing can actually also be a form of stuckness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's no point in there that you sort of – Stand back and go, okay, what am I choosing here? Yeah. What, where, where am I going? You know, uh, what, what outcome am I looking for? Do I have a plan? Yeah. Not that we all have to have plans. Sometimes people say, what's your five-year plan? I don't have a five-year plan. I'm surprised I even got to this old without having a one-year plan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just that fact of, you know, uh, being able to at least read what's going on all the time. You know, that becomes a plan unto itself, I think. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, I think anything and everything can stick us or unst- unstick us. You know, I think there's really a, a big thing here, making making the wrong decision. People are sort of terrified of that. Right. The fear of failure. For sure. For sure. You know, and that's, you know, people will say, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of failing. 
I'm going to put out something else. Okay. I don't think the fear of failure is nearly as a problematic as the fear of success. Mm-hmm. I think people are terrified of being successful. I think people are afraid of failing at what it is they love, so they would rather fail at what they don't love. Well, that's that's possible. I think that, you know, anytime we start something, my experience is, is that someone's going to drop out of a course. Well, it's okay. It sounded like it was kind of weird anyways, or it was really too hard, or did you really want it? In other words, there's a lot of support around our decision to pull out of things. Right. Quit your job, quit your marriage, uh, quit your children, uh, whatever mm-hmm. it is, uh, uh, leave your country, you know, and people, people support us somehow mm-hmm. very often. There might be the odd dissenting voice, but more, more often than not, people actually support us in our failure. Sure. You I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. But they, they don't support us in the same way in our success. Yeah, I could agree with that. Successful people are very lonely people sometimes. Yeah. Because people are not willing to ride with them and, and give them the same level of support that we do the poor person who's now a failure. Or in their mind, anyways, uh, because of the decisions that they made. So you have, uh, you know, someone who becomes really successful. I mean, you just think of it. We have a billion, more than a billion dollar industry in tearing down people who are successful. Okay. Like the inquirer or anything like that. Okay, okay? Right, right, right. Who find out what the flaws are, what the nasties are, what the rumors are. You know, and there's all kinds of publications and, and, and talk shows and all that kind of stuff that, you know, will take to task anybody who is, you know, riding high. My, 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 sorry, my, mm-hmm. my line on that was don't get too big for your britches. Mm-hmm. It's an old, old British concept around, uh, you know, a young boy who moves into, you know, wearing britches in yeah. the late 1700s. He just better get bigger britches. That's right. Right. That's right. But, but I think what happens is people are afraid, like when people grow, like if you have a, a friend who's super successful or whatever, and you've been with them through the years that they weren't, right, is that the fear is that people will grow away from you because they, they have opportunities in their life that now you may not have. Sure. Right? Do we need to trash them? No, no, of course not. I think that's... You don't need that's, to trash anybody, but I think that's why people do it. Right. Right? It's to kind of to try to level the playing field a bit. Right, right. Oh, he's not that great. Don't don't let that blah, 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 you know, fool you or her fool you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I just think that what a horrible place that we have to go to yeah. in order for us to be okay with our fear of not riding, you know, with them mm-hmm. or, or, mm-hmm. or helping them or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, that, that whole idea of it's lonely at the top is mm-hmm. really a very true statement. I think, too, that being stuck, like if you think about family dynamics, right, uh, and um, like just theoretically, being stuck, being the person in the family who's stuck can actually – that person can actually be the person who kind of holds everybody else in place. So there can actually be a systems aspect to your stuckness. And so if you're not stuck, if you become unstuck, then the whole system around you can collapse. So if you think about friendships, right? If your friend who's been stuck becomes unstuck, what does that mean for you, right? How do you relate to this person now? Especially if you were, you know, if your relationship had uh, been constituted around something that you both shared together that was a reflection of your stuckness. Right. Maybe right. you both got divorced. Maybe they get remarried or something and you're stuck in, oh, my God, I don't have friendships or relationships anymore. Right. right? And they went ahead and got married and now we can't play poker. Right. Right. right exactly. But it also feeds into the whole fear of, well, I can't leave this marriage because maybe I'll never meet another person ever right. again. So That's it can big. So it can serve us to stay stuck. Oh, absolutely. Right. There's absolutely. a secondary gain in our stuckness. Yes. Yeah. There's there's it's more than a secondary gain. I think there's a primary gain, and that is is that people who are stuck get a lot of support, right? Can get a lot of attention, only up to a certain point though, until you know finally people are like, you know what? Either make up your mind or get off the pot. Right. So the primary gain is the one that I would say is the one that is most visible. The secondary gain is the one that's behind it yep. that we usually don't see. Which is often what people are identifying is what their problem might be is not really the problem. Right. Right. Exactly. We, you know, it's not, not the root problem. It just manifested in a different way. Exactly. My root problem is it's time for, to make a commercial. Okie doke. Uh, and uh, this is uh, Things Worth Considering here on Voice America on the Empowerment Channel. And Gord and Jan will be back right after these messages.
find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back to Things Worth Considering. We're talking today about stuck and unstuck. You choose. And that's, uh, that's an important one because I think that, you know, what people really don't want to hear sometimes is, is that being stuck is a choice. Yes, because it doesn't feel like a choice. It doesn't. It doesn't. Right. And, uh, I, and in no way do I undervalue how painful of an experience that can be of trying to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what often we identify is, is you know, what's getting in the way here um, is we're not necessarily hitting, you know, the nail on the head that what we think might be the problem is actually a, su- you know, a superficial symptom of a much deeper problem, you know, um, uh, you know, it's very hard not to talk about some of this because of course stuck, stuck is more than just deciding what, as we talked about at the beginning, what to order off of a menu, you know, this mm-hmm. is about really deeper things like moving on in a relationship in, in, uh, uh, our own healthcare, uh, uh, jobs, those kinds of things. So we have beliefs about ourself, mm-hmm. about who we are in the world. We have beliefs about what we deserve, Mm-hmm. And what we don't deserve, mm-hmm. and those are pretty brutal for some people. Yeah, you know when uh, you sort of get in there, people really don't deserve. You know, they believe they don't deserve things. Yeah, and they don't even recognize that they don't that they believe that they don't deserve it. No, and I think this is what happens because I'll get clients who'll be like, "No, no, I really want to change. I really want to change. I can't take this anymore. I can't take this anymore," and yet they don't change. Like they don't do anything to change, right. right? So you'll explore stuff. And so, so yes, you have to have the cognitive piece or the emotional piece, or you have to do the, perhaps the self-awareness building piece, but you also have to take actions. And it can be very, very hard to take actions when you feel disempowered and when you're exhausted. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Cause it, it really is, you know, quite, quite exhausting, you know, um, you know, sometimes what plays out is, is, uh, uh, not knowing who we can trust. Sure, absolutely. Which is everything to do about our ability to trust ourselves. Right, right. You know, that was one I learned a long, long time ago of uh, around trust was, 
can I trust myself to get myself in and out of any situation that I encounter? That's a biggie, right? Because then when you do that, when you actually trust yourself that much, you know that about yourself that, hey, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but I know I'm going to be able to handle it. Yep. Then it means that you can walk into the unknown with a greater sense of confidence. That's right. And you'll be That's more right. aware, like you'll be watching, you'll be more vigilant, right? To what's the point where I know I can handle it to the point where, uh, where I switch over to the point where, okay, now it's getting too big. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Make like a cat. Yeah. Back away. Back <laughs> we had away. cat woman. Well, I can be cat man. There you go. <laughs> Nine lives and I can jump high. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's, it is, it's having that trust that uh, knowing that if I go into a situation, no matter what that might be, that I will know when I can say no. Yeah. And when I can say yes. Yeah. That's a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. That we have the right to say no. Well, and I think, Part of that is we're never really free to say yes unless we are free to say no. That's true. Right? So we That's carry true. around with this, this idea that, oh, I'm expected to say yes, so I better. Well, then your, net, your yes is not really a function of free will. No. It's you've been coerced into saying you're, yes. That's right. You're right? being manipulated or coerced or, or encouraged somehow in, with this party to you know, go along with what's happening. Yeah. And it just becomes easier to do that than to actually – well, the substances start to take take place, don't they? Yeah, exactly. You know? Right. I mean, that's that's not the only place, but you know, certainly that's where certainly in relationships, substances can start to take part. Is when we can't say no, mm-hmm. then the only way that we can stay with yes mm-hmm. is get high, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's really known by too many people, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that we're lovable. Yep. People don't know that. It's important to know. You know, with a, uh, you know, I think I think that's you know our overall worthiness, but that's our big shame bucket, isn't it? It totally is. It absolutely is. That's that that flaw that no one can point at, but we all know we have it and we hide it. Right. I don't know what we're hiding. Right. Because no one is flawed. Right. You know, we 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 go around like we have a San Andreas fault running right down the center of us yeah. that, you know, if I don't keep my arms across my chest, boom, you know, we're going to have this, you know, opening is going to take place. Yeah, hide hide hide. Hide hide hide. Right. Yeah. So, how do you not be stuck when you're rocking around with the shame piece? So, I think this is an important thing because I think this is an important idea because I think it's connected to this idea that a lot of people will focus on what do I do to get unstuck? What do I do? What do I do? I don't know uh, what I want to do. That's what my workshop's about. There you go, right? That's right. But that's right. really, you can get unstuck not through the doing. You get unstuck sometimes by uh, facilitating connections with other people. Yes. So step one, right, is you don't have to sit down and figure out what's the most ideal career and better not make a mistake or you'll spend 40 years doing something you hate, right? <laughs> so much pressure. It's actually about reaching out to other people in a different way, new people, people that you don't know, and establishing connections that allow you to see yourself differently. Because if you see yourself differently, you'll see yourself in terms of your own different resourcing, like and how you manage things differently. So different kinds of connections with different kinds of people than you might normally come across in your daily life yes. will actually teach you something really important about yourself. Like, go join the canoe club. Like, you know, if you, even if you've never canoed before. Or, you know, go take a cooking class. Or go do something different and establish connections, different kinds of connections with different kinds of people. And people who are going to mirror back something about yourself that maybe you didn't know. Yeah. Well, I think stuck is a really important thing because it shows us that we're growing. Oh, it, absolutely. Right? It's, a it's a part a sign of, of growth. growth. It's a part of growth. But, you know, it's also the piece where we're just sitting. Right. You know, and I, I hate to see people go on for months. Sure. Years. Yeah. And they're still stuck. But it shows us that what did work for us before no longer works Works for us. Absolutely. Right. So the stuck piece itself has this little bit of virtue in it, right? It's like, ah, okay. So that we can even decide how long we want to be stuck for, you know, Mm -hmm. however long you Mm -hmm. decide you're going to be stuck is how long you're going to be stuck. But it's how long you're willing to stay in pain. Exactly. Right. Because that pain can give way to much more complicated areas of depression, anxiety, uh, you know, withdrawal from society. Uh, those are the things that I have the greatest concern about yeah. are people who are making choices to stay in that kind of a place. Right. And the stuckness will, if stuckness is, you know, well, well the stuckness, I'll just say it, the stuckness is, is just going to get more painful. 
Yes. Because once you once you grow out of where you are, it's like once you grow out of those really great shoes, it doesn't matter how many times you cram your feet into them, they're just going to get increasingly more uncomfortable. Yep. Right? So it's time to go get a new pair of shoes. And partly, you might still love those old shoes and still want to hold on to them, but you know, you can put them in your closet and hug them from time to time. You don't have to wear them around anymore. <laughs> Thank right? them for the support they did give you in the past. Yes, I've given you all great clues about what's in my closet. But you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Is that where that corn cob came from that I saw? Exactly. <laughs> nah, nah. The, the old pair of sneakers. Yeah. Um, you know, that, um, uh, yeah, that idea of, of uh, giving ourselves permission to be where we're at and, and see this as a sign of growth. Perhaps we actually can stop beating ourselves up when we're right. in a stuck, you know, stuck place. Because it's, it's certainly, we don't get stuck, hopefully, on small things. Yeah. But- People get stuck on things where there is a lot of beliefs or a lot of fear. It could be, uh, you know, an example, a male going to a doctor. Right. Who would have thought men could go to doctors? We're very bad at that. Mm -hmm. But we need to very badly do that. Women don't seem to have that same fear. Men, for some reason, have a lot of fear, a lot of resistance. But there's also a lot of socialization around I can do this myself. Sure. And around masculinity is connected to a lack of vulnerability. So going to the doctor is an admission of vulnerability, which femininity is all about vulnerability. Historically. Well, I'm glad you understand that. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, You know, being invulnerable as I am. um, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think us men are hurting ourselves desperately by not at least allowing uh, you know, some medical intervention when it's clearly sure. clearly indicated. You know. Yeah. You know, something else about change that uh, comes to mind is this idea that uh, we need to see change happening for us to be convinced that change is happening. And mm-hmm. we need to feel something. And, you know, change is always happening around us, whether we recognize it or not, right? So I think that's a really important idea. So I always think about, uh, you know, gestating a baby. There are the days where you go, oh my God, it's really happening inside me and you can feel all sorts of things. And then the days where you're like, don't think anything's going on down there, right? right? So it's kind of like there is always something happening and it takes nine months to grow this little person, right? And so a lot is happening that you might not even be aware of. Chances are you're not aware of it, right? That's right. That's and right. so change is happening all the time. Just because we don't recognize it, it doesn't that doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. 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 Well, we we don't even see the change in ourselves mm. until it's like a really big change as we age. Right. You know, uh, we don't we don't see the 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 faces as aging and and so on. Uh, we continue to see at some point our mind locked into a certain age, and you know when we felt really good about ourselves and was having a good time, and we kind of lock into that place. Yeah. And that's what we see when we look in the mirror. What age are you stuck on? Just curious. Twenty six. Twenty six. Okay. Not bad for a twenty eight year old. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's not even a decade. I feel like I'm stuck on like 40. 40 feels like it. I don't even think 40 was great for me. I think you told me you were 38. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a liar. But uh, no, I feel like I'm stuck on like 40 or even 42 would be good. Okay. Yeah. I can be 42. Yeah. I can go up as high as 36. I just think of, you know, the energy that I have a tendency to expend. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the 26-year-old. You know? I know, but 26 energy can be like kind of erratic, right? Yeah, so? Yeah. I don't know. I like 42 <laughs> energy because it's more focused and you're like, nobody's going to mess with you because you're like, Matt. Out of my way. Well, no one's going to mess with a 26-year-old. They're so erratic. They're they're gone before you even know what happened. I don't know what the guy's doing, but I get get out of here. He's out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, no, we we do. We we don't see sort of the obvious. Of course, most of us don't really look at ourselves in the mirror anyways. We look at what we have to do. Right. Shave and put on and makeup, uh, you know, whatever, or comb our hair. But we're not actually <laughs> looking at ourselves, which is kind of interesting. Louise Hay came out with uh, a really, really powerful set of, of uh, uh, you know, affirm- affirmative uh, exercises that uses mirrors where we actually look into our own eyes while holding oh, yeah. a mirror and say, you know, you're a cool dude. You know, <laughs> or, <laughs> whatever it is. You but, are not stuck. You are not stuck, you know. You are but, moving forward and exactly the right pace exactly exactly and if you know uh, louise hay stuff is just absolutely perfect uh 
she's passed on now, but I can assure you she is around, and her writings certainly are. And I, she's uh, still, she's, yeah. she's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. I used to do I used to do her affirmation work. Uh, uh, I mean, certainly with people and mirrors would upset people, but um, uh, I would go to the gym and I'd get on the on a bike and ah. I just look at myself in the mirror in front of me. Yes. People, people must have thought I was the most statistically, but I'm doing yeah. all of these you know yeah. these affirmations. Uh, well, you can looking. stare yourself down, right? I used to run on a treadmill with a mirror in front and all I would focus on was like my right knee and I could just run for hours and it was uh, actually a few times the people at the gym had to come and get me off to <laughs> off the t- treadmill and say, Jen, you've been on the treadmill way too long. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. but yeah, it's like incredible focus, right? When you can do that. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. It's, it's amazing. But it also really connects you back to yourself. Yes. Especially people who won't look in the mirror. I've had people throw the mirror at me in a, in a counseling session. Wow. Because it's just so, so profoundly upsetting huh. to, to connect to themselves. So, you know, um, we're coming up to the end of the show, but uh, uh, this uh, particular topic I'm doing a workshop on. Did I tell you that? Are you? Tell me I about am. this. When are you doing well, this workshop? I'll come. Transformational Arts has some great summer courses. Yes. And if you're in the Toronto area, um, on various dates, on Wednesday evenings, at least one of our faculty members is going to be doing a fantastic uh, talk. And over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing from them as each one also is going to do a radio show with us, fantastic. which is going to be very cool. So, you know, the first person up is actually Joanne Morgan. Uh, she's a registered psychotherapist, and she's a certified house whispering practitioner. Mm, she and does cool work. She does very cool work, and she's very, very respected and very kind. I love her. Um, uh, you know, and it's it's about the, the, the sanctuary of our home and the sanctuary of ourself, mm-hmm. you know, and how those two things, you know, work together, but also work against one another as well, yeah. you know, if not uh, brought into harmony. And, and she's going to be doing a whole workshop on, uh, uh, you know, how where we live can be a catalyst for our own growth. Well, and then the and, flip side is where we live can also be a catalyst for our stuckness. It can. Right? It can, totally. Move the energy of our environment and the energy that you feel. So Joanne's doing your home yourself. Perfect. Yeah. You know, the following week, uh, she's on uh, July 3rd. On July the uh, 10th is myself, uh, and it's uh, about uh, being stuck or unstuck. You choose. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but whatever it is, being stuck is not good for the environment. You're burning off all that gas. I'm uh, trying to get that mo- mo- movement back in. Uh, so we're going to take this uh, a lot further, uh, deeper into an experiential. Um, and you can find out more at transformationalarts.com or through the show at info at spiritgrows.ca. So on that note, this is Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill, and we are signing off for this week, and we wish you a fantastic Unstuck Week. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, Think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.